Several weeks ago, I got an email right before my family came down with COVID. And it was an email that's not all that different from other ones I've had in the past, but this one was. This one caught my attention in ways that the other ones have not. I am so thankful that my path has crossed with Michelle Benio. She is the owner and CEO of Good Grief Parenting, and I am excited to share with you my conversation with her because she, number one, comes from an educational background that is important, but most importantly, she comes from a story in her background that is very important It's very moving. It is tragic. It is hard. It may be triggering for some of you, but I do believe that we talk about it in such a way that gives so much hope. If you are a parent who has lost a child, this conversation is for you. If you are friends with a family who has lost a child, this conversation is for you. If you are involved in grief in any way that is involving a child, this conversation is for you. There is such a thing called good grief. I know that sounds counterintuitive and we're going to talk about it, but I just am so excited to share this conversation because Michelle has got so much value to add to our concept of grieving and our concept of how children grieve and why that is so different. And it's one of the things that parents ask me about the most. How do I help my child? Because children grieve in ways that look very different than adults. This one is important. Parents, this is one you do not want to skip over. It's a little longer than my norm, and I'm okay with that because it is that important. So quickly, let me just give a quick introduction. My name is Jill Falling. I am the owner and CEO of the Uplift Effect Coaching and Consulting. I do this podcast because it is an avenue and a resource for parents who are trying to navigate the mucky waters of parenting. The truth of the matter is we have a lot to learn from birds that are migrating, you know, the V formation, and there's this phenomenon called the uplift effect. I want to give you what I wish I had when I was a young parent. And that's the uplift effect. That's the ability for those of us who've traveled just a little bit farther, who are a step or two ahead to provide some support, encouragement, and hope, and inspiration, just enough to get you through to the next step. And that is what this podcast is about. It is mostly about parenting. It is very much about who you are as a person, because that's who your children most likely will become. And it's about having the tools in your toolbox that you need for this journey. And this conversation here today is so important. I'm excited to introduce to you Michelle Benyeo, and here is our conversation. So I am so thankful to have you here today, and I just so much appreciate your time and your expertise. There are times in our life where we very quickly, we meet people and very quickly gel because we have a common denominator and a common bond. And I just appreciate what you bring to this table and what you bring to this conversation And I also know that we come to this conversation because of some very, very difficult, heartbreaking, tragic circumstances that happen to many Mm -hmm. families. And Mm -hmm. so I I just appreciate your willingness to be here. Thank you so much for um, being a part of the Uplift Effect podcast. Thank you, Jill. I just, I'm really grateful to be here as well. These are just such important conversations. And yes, thank you for inviting me here. Well, I'm, I'm happy to have you. So you have a incredible story um, that is heartbreaking and yet has so much hope and encouragement that comes from it. Before we get to that, I want to make sure that everybody realizes that you come uh, to this conversation with a background in early childhood uh, parenting work as a coach now, and you mm-hmm. have a company called Good Grief 
parenting, which I yes. love. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is a, a genius way of, of stating something that can be so gut-wrenching. And yet mm-hmm. there is a thing called good grief. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good yeah. And we're going to talk about some of what you do with families. Um, but uh, let's make sure that we don't forget to talk about your course. And so remind me if I forget, but I've got okay. to down. Hopefully we won't. Let's start with the very beginning, so to speak. And tell us, how did you even get to, to this point? And where, where did your background come to a point where you knew it's time that I interact with this concept of good grief parenting? Well, I... Um... I was an early childhood parent educator. That was my career here in Minnesota. We have uh, early childhood parent education in every school district. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was working with families with early childhood age children. I had my own two children. My son was four and a half. My daughter was 15 months old. And my son was diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. And... Of course, that was devastating. And we battled that his cancer for two and a half years. Um, I continued to be an early childhood parent educator with families my children's ages. I navigated my my little girl through, uh, people call it the terrible twos and threes. I call it the terrific twos and threes. And she was, you know, she was, uh, she really was a terrific two and three didn't, didn't rock the boat at all. Just really kind of knew she needed to, um, you know, be a good force in our family. I think, um, that's another story, but we went through two and a half years of this. And, um, and then my son died and my daughter was three and a half years old. I'll also say that when we went through this, um, my son was in a children's hospital and this was 20 years ago. And back then we were able to spend a lot of time in the hospital. His sister was able to come with us. She could even often be in his room. Although uh, as a children's hospital, they had good things for children, uh, for siblings. But I share this because there were a lot of families going through this that were not bringing their other children to the hospital. And we knew that we wanted to all of us to be together. In fact, um, something I didn't share with you, Jill, that I'll just uh, say about my little 15-month-old was the first night that my son was in the hospital, his dad was with him, and my daughter and I were home, and she wandered around the house just wailing, just making an inhuman sound. It was alarming to me. But at 15 months old, she just felt with every fiber, every cell of her body, that something in her world was terribly wrong. Mm -hmm. And I would go try to comfort her and she would push me away and throw herself on the ground. Mm -hmm. So this was what I observed in the very beginning. And I thought this little 15 month old is right in the middle of everything that's happening in our family. So she was with us through it all. And when her brother died, she actually said to me, mommy, half of me is gone. Mm -hmm. So here I was an early childhood parent educator, knowing an awful lot about development at this age, but I did not know how to do this. I had a child who said half of her was gone. And I knew that that was true. Her little identity had been torn away from her and I didn't know how to do it, but I thought I could probably find the resources because I also knew where to find resources. This was my field, but there were not resources out there. Hmm. And so I knew especially, you know, when she said that to me, I thought, okay, I am going to have to do something about this. I'm an educator at heart. That's what I do. And I'm going to have to figure this out for her, for me, and I'm going to have to share this. And so I knew back then that if it didn't exist, I was going to have to create it. Mm. But first I had to make my way through our life. Um, Yes. 
Well, I, I did share this with you. We didn't know how that I we I also did end up um, getting a divorce. So it was just my daughter and me in our household going through this. And I had to make my way through this first so that I could then give my attention to families and step in with them into their loss. And so that's where I've been at for the last few years, finally um, able to do that. So I've learned a lot, a lot from parenting her and a lot from recognizing what I needed but didn't have and a lot from recognizing what I would do differently now if I had uh, all the insights I have now when we started our journey. I think that her statement at three and a half years old is incredibly powerful. Yes. And it's a statement that's well beyond its years. Absolutely. And <laughs> she is, she is, yeah, she is that kid. But yes, mm-hmm. how many children would articulate that? And yet many children feel it. Her feelings were not unique. Just the fact that she was able to tell me, and we as parents don't know that. We as parents don't very often see our child so distraught that they're throwing themselves on the ground at 15 months old. So she put that issue of her her experience front and center for me, and I knew I needed to help other parents see that because... Um, in those early formative years, it's so important for parents to know and help children with what they're experiencing. And yet it's also in most kids, so easy to overlook. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that you said that I think is important to highlight, you came from a background educationally that gave you probably a little bit of a heads up. Yes. It just gave you a little bit more understanding cognitively as to what to expect Mm -hmm. to walk your children through this process. And yet even you were still left going, I don't think I'm prepared for this. Absolutely. Like I was trained for a lot of things, but not this one. And Mm -hmm. even if you were, it's so different when you're experiencing it yourself in your mm-hmm. own home with your own children. And it's your personal loss. It's different than talking about somebody else's. And so I think that one of the things that I love about what we do, you and I do, mm-hmm. is recognize that there are so many families that can be highly educated. Maybe they are or are not, but the truth is, is that even us, when we're faced Mm -hmm, with, we mm -hmm. don't even know what to do. So if we don't, we obviously understand the need and why other parents would say, I don't know what to do. I don't have answers for this. And the truth is there isn't always answers for all of it, Mm -hmm. but there is a place to start. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that we talked about yesterday that I think is an incredible place to start is your comment that you made that the best time for people to learn about grieving and grief is in childhood. Yes. And I cannot agree with that more because as a grief and trauma therapist in my background, working with children and families in crisis what I've experienced is exactly what you have experienced mm-hmm. that children or adults, the parents don't know how to help interact with their children mm-hmm. and talk about this because they themselves did not have that opportunity in their growing up years and their formative years. It wasn't talked about. It's mm-hmm. taboo. We don't mm-hmm. discuss that. And therefore they didn't learn to talk about it. They didn't learn the language. So talk to me about um, that idea of how we can help our children in these childhood years, though it sounds very counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. Because we want to protect our children. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we joked yesterday, um, you know, there's 100% guarantee in this life. And that is, is that none of us are coming out of it alive. 
Right. That's the only thing that we can ever guarantee our children is that mm-hmm. nobody comes out of this alive. So right. why is it so unnatural for us then to talk about the very thing that we know they're going to have to address in their life? Yes. You know, we have, um, we have as a society just really made it a taboo topic and parents are afraid. We are afraid to talk to anybody about grief really, but especially when it comes to children, we don't want our children to experience something. Um, we would rather avoid it. It's painful. We don't want them to experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't know what to do to help them experience it, ev- even if we want to, because as you say, we never learned. And so the first thing that that I try to help uh, parents kind of take a look at is what they believe about grief that really is not accurate. I call my um, my company Good Grief Parenting because grief is good. It's necessary. If we don't grieve the loss of something really uh, important to us, we are not going to get through it. We're not going to get beyond that. I'm not going to say get over it because we don't really get over it, but we cope and we learn to move on with it. And we can't do that without grieving. That's part of the healing process. So as parents, we need to recognize that our children are going to experience grief and it may not be, you know, something really obviously that we think of as grief. My first grief experience that I remember, and I, and I think we can all identify with this. So this is what I share sometimes is um, I was five or six years old and I was at the beach. I lived in Northern Minnesota on Lake of the Woods. So the lake, you know, goes off forever into the horizon. And I had this blow up riding toy, Wally the walrus. He was big and he was, you know, really fun to ride on. And I fell off of him and he got away from me and started to float out. And, and even adults who could swim, couldn't reach him. He was blown out of reach. And I had to just watch him float away. Uh, You know, and I could see forever as he floated into the horizon. And I felt I mean, to this day, I remember it. I felt such grief. And yet the adults around me, you know, didn't recognize that as as grief or something that they really needed to deal with. It was just a toy go, you know, Oh, too bad. We'll go buy another one or whatever. Um, but that's an opportunity for uh, parents to just honor that feeling. That's where we can start uh, is when kids lose something that is important to them. Um, mm-hmm. Mark Twain has a quote about grief and he says a child's loss of a doll and a king's loss of a crown are equal, um, you know, because to the child, the, the, the doll is everything. Wally the walrus was everything. And so um, we have those opportunities, every single one of us to learn about grief. But usually what adults do is try to distract us from it, try to give us something else to do, to go have fun with that instead, to forget about it. Um, And so it starts with just simply honoring it, saying, oh, I'm so sorry that he got away. You're really going to miss that toy. You had fun playing with that, didn't you? I'm really sorry you lost that. That doesn't feel good. That alone um, makes such a difference. And it lets that child know that when something else happens, they can talk to the adult. And that's how we open up conversations around grief and normalize them. It's just in that very simple way of recognizing what grief is. And it's, it's different from sadness. And I think when one distinction is that um, sadness is when we're disappointed, or we can't have something that we want, or whatever it may be. Grief is about losing something that's gone, that's going to be permanently gone that you really care about. And that's different than sadness. And it needs to be honored. Yeah. You know, um, I very often say that I spent a whole lot of money in graduate school to learn three words. Um, Heard, understood, 
and validated. Yes. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of modalities and therapeutic concepts and all that kind of stuff that I believe in and I've used and, and whatever. But the heart of all of it is, is that if we are not communicating to our children or anybody else that we care about, yes, I hear you. I understand your perspective. Doesn't mean Mm -hmm. I have to agree with it, Mm -hmm. but I understand it Mm -hmm. and I can validate it Mm -hmm. to have validate, to have validation over that is hard Mm -hmm. to lose something that you really, really wanted Mm -hmm. that Wally, the walrus. I love that (laughs) because I think that, you know, we have seen that scenario happen with a kid's balloon and the parents don't dismiss it. Well, that's how we begin to lay a framework for how our children are going to trust if it's safe to come to us. Absolutely. With that emotion, Mm -hmm. loss Mm -hmm. and disappointment and whatever it may be. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I love that story. And you have said yesterday to me, children's grief is often not seen. It is not heard and it is not noticed. And that reminds mm-hmm. me of the heard, understood and validated. Yes. About that a lot on my Yes. Mind. So our listeners have, that's not new to them, but mm-hmm. I think you're right. Children's grief is not seen because they don't always grieve in the mm-hmm. same way. Mm-hmm. It is often not heard because children have been taught oftentimes to not speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not always noticed. Mm-hmm. It's not even always recognized. I have had Absolutely. a lot of parents say to me, my child is, is doing very, very well with the death, but they're acting out in all these other ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they mm-hmm. don't notice that they're connected. Right. And so it's not noticed that it's actually grief and right. that um, grief is something that grief work could be something or a conversation about grief could be something that would actually help the slamming doors and the whatever. Yes. Yes. And it doesn't need to be, um, you don't need to wait for the child to have an experience that you can talk about. I talk about, I mean, a personal experience that you can talk about. Mm -hmm. I talk about teachable moments. In fact, there's a training that I do for childcare providers about teachable moments, grief in the childcare setting, where Mm -hmm. it just talks about finding opportunities to talk about loss and grief. Um, You know, when you, I mean, sometimes they find a grasshopper and they want it as a pet and they go in the next day and it's dead. And, you know, you talk about, oh, you know, then you talk about what happened to the grasshopper. You talk about what happened to the flower that they brought you that drooped and and dried up and shriveled or, you know, the egg that fell out of the nest and got broken. Any number of things, um, opportunities where you can talk about life and death and use those words because death is different than passing away or going away or those things that are so nebulous. Mm -hmm. But yes, you can help kids have this vocabulary and this understanding without waiting for something traumatic. And then when something traumatic comes into their lives, they have that foundation of understanding that this is possible. And also that it's something that Uh, we can live forward with anyway, and that they can talk to you about. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about this yesterday. It was one of my points um, that I really wanted to address today is that specifically taking time, not in the middle of a loss, right. to, To, as you said, take advantage of opportunities that we notice things in the natural world or, mm-hmm. um, you know, even fall when mm-hmm. the leaves die off of the trees. Um, right. when children were very young. We would talk about that and we would go up into the mountains and, mm-hmm. and say, you know, why these leaves are here like this and like, because they've actually died. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, yes, I was a grief and trauma therapist. And so maybe I was a little more sensitive to that, but I really do believe that we as parents do our children a service and we do them a favor. We do, um, we provide an environment for them that they are going to need 
because they are going to be faced with loss and death somewhere along the line. So if we can do it out of the heat, of yes. moment, it then provides us the opportunity, by the way, I think is very oftentimes where a lot of the problem absolutely parents discomfort mm-hmm. with the language mm-hmm. it provides parents time to practice the words death dying not coming back will not mm-hmm. be coming home mm-hmm. um, those kinds of language parents are very uncomfortable with saying to their young children because they think it's too much for them and yes there's an age appropriate way to do that but i talked to my children a lot about um what it looked like and, and trying to build empathy um, so that they understood when somebody else experienced a loss, mm-hmm. maybe one of their friends, um, that what that might look like, because mm-hmm. we can talk about it and build a foundation when it does show up, we've then built a bridge already. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. I think we need to give parents permission Yes. Okay to do. We're not ruining their innocence, which I think is what we had talked about yesterday. I think right. parents are afraid of that. Right. What, what have you heard parents say that would be an idea like, I don't want to ruin their innocence? Or what would be another reason why parents would not have a conversation with their kid, their children beforehand? Well, a lot of it has to do with the way that children grieve because children mm-hmm. grieve very unnoticeably. I mean, when we say that adults don't notice that children are grieving, uh, you know, in all fairness to them, Mm -hmm. children don't grieve in a really over way. If my daughter had not said to me, mommy, half of me is gone. The behavior that I saw from her would not have told me of the depth of her loss, of her grief, because she just, she play, they play children grieve, Mm-hmm. mostly through play and they may be upset. You know, they may tell you they're sad and then suddenly be done and go off and play and, or they may play a lot and you think they're not sad at all because they're not acting sad. That's how they're grieving. And Great. so don't wait for them to ask you or look sad so that you can say, oh, are you sad? You just, uh, you know, a good way to approach it is just to ask a question and open the door. Mm-hmm. If if you are sad, you can certainly tell them, I, I'm really missing David today. I'm really missing your brother today. Do you miss him too? Or I'll bet you miss him too. Mm-hmm. And let the child respond. I remember one time, um, and this just popped into my head, but this is another aspect of how children grieve, or at least my Mm -hmm. daughter. I remember saying to her one time, I was really sad. And, um, and I said, because David's not here, we don't get his, you know, because we talked about him being with us, his presence. And, you know, so he was here. And I said, he's not able to hug us anymore. And she looked at me and she said, Oh, mommy, he still hugs me. So, you know, they have their really intimate way of of holding the relationship but mm-hmm. they we don't see their grief and so just to to open the door let them talk if they don't want to talk that's okay but you are still making it normal to talk um and leaving the door open for them so i think that's the other thing parents worry about upsetting them because they don't look like they're upset okay. but i guarantee you that your child is thinking about it whether they look like they are or not. And if you are, if they know you're sad, they're probably also a bit worried. They don't know how you're going to be. They don't know, they know something's changed in their world. They don't know if you're going to be okay. They don't know what's going to change for them. And so the more you can just talk to them about, um, you know, missing it, things being different, this person being gone, then they can come to you and say, I don't want to be in my bedroom. I'm missing David. He's not there. They can come to you with those things. Um, So it's not difficult. It's just a matter of allowing yourself to be open about it so that the child knows it's okay. And there doesn't get to be that elephant in the room. 
Yeah, that's a, a great way to, to say it because I think you're exactly right. We misinterpret play as they're fine. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. And, and that could be far, the farthest thing from the truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we very often say that play is their language. Mm-hmm. And that is how so many children told me their stories. Mm -hmm. It wasn't words. They didn't have a language for it. They Mm -hmm. were acting it out with toys. Mm -hmm. And then I began to be able to give them some language and some words with it. And they were like, oh, yes, that is. Yes, yes. And so I think that's a very good point that you make that we, um, we don't recognize it because they're playing, mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. they, it looks like they've kind of moved on and that's mm-hmm. not what we would do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And even, you know, even really young children, mm-hmm. um, children, you know, even younger than three, because they know there was a presence there that was a part of their life that was a warm you know, comfortable part of their life, even if they weren't, you know, like my son and my daughter were very, Mm -hmm. very close. And it's just the missing of that. So I just really encourage parents not to make the mistake of thinking my child isn't bothered, you know, my child wasn't really, you know, that close, maybe the brother was, you know, six years older, and they, you know, they really didn't play together a lot. They are still really going to miss that presence in the household. So, like I say, um, you know, just have the conversation, whether the child seems to be um, thinking about it or not. Yes. And that reminds me of another point that I would, I think we should talk about. I have heard so many parents say, well, they're only two. They mm-hmm. don't know. Um, and I have also heard parents say to me, um, you know, would you help me? talk to my children. I I'm not even ready yet to say those words out of my mouth. Would mm-hmm. you help me? And I said, sure. And mm-hmm. I had three kids, the older ones knew what had happened, but she said, um, you know, my four or five-year-old, he was, he was five. He doesn't know anything about it. So you'll have to kind of start from scratch. The five-year-old knew every single thing about it because the parents were assuming that he was too young when they were talking on the telephone. Yes. Yes. And he heard everything that was going on. Yes. Verbatim and told me more information than the other two knew who were kind of being protected. Yes. Yes. Five year old had more information. I didn't understand it all, but he Mm -hmm. had more information that he was trying Mm -hmm. to process because the parents assumed that he was too young and wasn't able to understand. Mm -hmm. And that cannot be farther from the truth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, and there's that cognitive understanding. And then there's the, you know, the, the physical body Mm. intuition. And, you know, I mean, it's like my 15 month old, you know, she didn't know what cancer was. She didn't know what a hospital was. She just knew that, but she knew something terrible was happening. And I was not being a distraught mother. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't beside myself, but she had been there through the days that we were learning this. And she, you know, she felt it in the household and she knew it wasn't good. And so they just really do pick up on it. Absolutely. Yes, they do. So I think that another thing that is a a really good point to bring up is that we talked yesterday about grieving creates isolation. Mm -hmm. And I can remember when I had a a baby pass away and the things that people would say, we hear this, these stories all the time of people saying mean, trying to say something (laughs) meaningful, but not helpful at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, well, thank goodness you are, you had Dakota, my oldest son, thank goodness, you know, well, that's not helpful. And it creates a, a, for me, it created the kind of one of the first times of my life of realizing I can't talk to the average person about this because they end up saying things that I then feel worse about. Mm-hmm. And I'm angry now because they even said that and how dare them and why do they not know better? And then also, like you mentioned yesterday, feeling responsible when they start to cry that we have to comfort them. Mm-hmm. So there's this isolation that starts to happen where things pull apart yes. and we in grief, isolate from other people 
because we don't have a support system that understands how to work with our grief. Right. Talk to me about how you have found families in that mode and how your course, what you do has created the very thing they needed, which was. Yes. Yes. That, that really is that. I mean, that was one of the, when it, when I started this work and started doing it and my course is delivered online. Um, and sometimes, you know, people do things like self studies, but mine has to have that community component because that's, first of all, so much of the wisdom that that parents need is within them and within others who know their experience. That's, you know, when I was an early childhood parent educator and I had two children of my own at that age, I loved it because every day I got to spend time with all of these women and have this collective wisdom all the time. I, I brought the topic and facilitated the, con facilitated the conversation, uh -huh. but there was so much wisdom. So I offer a course called See Your Way Forward After Child loss because as I started to try to put together what I could help parents with, and I really did start from the place of wanting to help parents understand that that little child of theirs really needs for them to support them throughout the rest of their life. I've seen my daughter grow up with some really unique needs in her relationships that no one else has a clue about but me and that I needed to really help her through as she grew. And so that was important for me to help parents understand. Mm. But what about just understanding grief in the first place? I had had no experience with grief when I when I experienced this um, and what about the different relationships within the family and what about all those things people uh, and people give you advice who don't know anything about it. And, and then you start to second guess yourself. So my course, see your way forward after child loss takes uh, families from the beginning of telling their story, articulating it, verbalizing it, being able to get it out of themselves into the world mm -hmm. and then giving them a lot of permission. You mentioned that word earlier. And so much of what a grieving parent needs is permission, permission to understand that they do know what's best for their own family. If they're feeling one thing and somebody else that doesn't know tells them something different, they can respectfully say, you know, that just isn't very helpful to me right now. This is what I need to do. This is what my family needs and yeah. give them permission to tap into their own wisdom. So the course is a combination of just a, of all of this foundational information mm -hmm. and then the opportunity to talk with other parents who are going through similar experiences and then to, to stay together. I have a Facebook group. Um, and I'm working on some other ways to just create a space of community for these families, mm -hmm. um, because it's really about remaking life going forward, not just dealing with the loss in the here and now, which is hard enough. But what about all the rest of law of life when you grow up, uh, you know, when you grow with your family, with this presence of grief that other people don't see, but it impacts everything about your life and your child's life. Yes, absolutely. So I'm curious, you had mentioned early on um, the, and things I would do different. Mm-hmm. What comes to your mind? What are some things that you know now that you wish that you had known then that you would have done different? The first two things that come to mind, one, uh, the first one is, you know, early on when I went to grief support groups and things, mm -hmm. um, they said, don't hide your feelings from your child, you know, be willing to let your child see you. So my daughter saw my grief. I talked about my grief, but the thing I didn't learn until later mm -hmm. um, when she was a little bit older was this thing that I've already talked about, which was me asking her questions, not just sharing with her mm -hmm. and, you know, being in grief with her, but asking her, um, you know, do you think about David? What do you think about? And yeah. inviting her to give me her thoughts, because yeah. as she got older, 
uh, you know, we had this understanding that we shared this grief, but I didn't really hear a lot of her thoughts. And so that's one thing that I would be, and, and I, you know, back then it was, I didn't want to kind of bother her with this, you know? Yeah. Um, so that. yeah, I, but I think that's really important. And the other thing that I tried to do, wanted to do, um, and so I've got it in my docket as trying to figure out how to make this happen, mm-hmm. um, is finding her someone who had a similar experience, a peer who could understand her because I think, and her experience, because I think that is really so important that they have a peer who understands them. And she never had that really. And, um, yeah, I think that's really important. And, and I somehow we need to figure out how to provide that for these children. Well, it's kind of like what we're just talking about. Grief can be so isolating. Mm-hmm. And really the antidote to that is community. Yes, yes. <laughs> and our children need it as well. Yes. Um, and, you know, I think that is kind of a hard thing because really we're going to see them playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yet on the other hand, that can be so very therapeutic for them mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. what they need to know is I'm not alone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there are other kids who have had maybe not the exact same story, mm-hmm. but something similar. They're having some hard days too. They right. wake up with bad dreams. They also sometimes out of the blue, just start crying and don't know why. Mm-hmm, it happens mm-hmm. to them too. And I think that's a great, um, a, a great idea. Yes. We don't, I don't know how to, how to work that together, exactly, yeah. but I think that there is the idea is, is that community typically is where we can find our way through the muddy waters of mm-hmm. some healing mm-hmm. because it is the isolation that makes it so extra difficult. Yes. Yes. And for grow, you know, we know it's hard for us as adults and children are going through so many things, you know, middle school and, um, you know, so many things that are difficult anyway. And, and children who have experienced a loss, um, you know, at a young age feel so different from their peers. Even if you don't see it in them inside, they just feel so different. Yes. Oh, yes. I think that's, and you know, adults, I think do too. Yes. yes. I may externally look the same, but there's, we feel there's this hollowness in here and you don't even feel like you're same person anymore. Like Mm -hmm. you might've liked chocolate before, but I don't like chocolate anymore now because there maybe was something connected to that. Mm -hmm. It was my son's favorite thing and I just can't eat chocolate. You know, we don't even feel Mm -hmm. like the same person. So, right. Um, you know, one of the things that as we wrap up that we talked about yesterday that I, um, I've thought a lot about is how we talked about honoring our child's experience. I think as parents, we very easily want to move into fix it mode, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we talked about, and we get impatient with the process because mm-hmm. this is a process and it is often much longer um, and very confusing at times. Yes. We may get mixed messages from our children as they're mm-hmm. trying to process. Um, so fixing it and being patient enough to see the thing through, um, but honoring our child in that experience. How have you seen that to best happen? How can parents honor their child's experience rather than fixing it? or trying to, or or getting impatient with it. We need to take our children's words at at face value. I mean, if, if, Mm -hmm. if they're upset about it, just honoring that it matters to them is really all we need to do. And that is hard for parents. It's, it's the magic. There's magic. I, when I was a, um, when I was a parent educator, just talking about children in general, um, you know, the, I parents always wanted to hear about discipline. They always wanted to know how to make their child, you know, do what they wanted them to do when they, and, and I used to say to my parents and it is, it's magical for every child and, and it's what we need to do in grief. And that is when they have an emotion to just validate it. And if they're acting out, 
just validate saying, boy, you're really mad right now. You're really upset right now, aren't you? I remember when my son, I would, you know, I would respond that way and he'd go, yeah. And all he needed was for me to, to know what he was going through. So with when children experience grief and we may not, I mean, it may not be a big grief, like, like Wally, the walrus, you know, is yeah. if that hurts to that child, then it hurts. And to just validate it and you don't, you can't fix it. The other thing is helping children understand that not everything can be fixed, but we will be better. You know, we will feel better. We will be okay. It's hard. Doesn't feel good. Um, we know that um, with adults, who are dying in hospice or, Mm -hmm. you know, or adults, friends who are going through things, the way that we, that we support people who are grieving and hurting and going through something difficult, whether they're a child or an adult is just to be a comforting presence with them. The same thing with, if you know, an adult who's lost a child or is grieving, you don't need to do anything, but just sit with them let them talk about their child, let them talk about nothing and just be with them. And the same is true with your child. It will just mean so much. Mm. I, it reminds me of the, the number of times I'm sure you've experienced the same thing where people have said, well, I just don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And my response to that is, well, what makes you think you need to say? Mm-hmm. There's nothing mm-hmm. really that they're going to remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. They need your presence and they will remember your presence. Mm-hmm. Not some word. Try to come up with matter of fact, that can be hurtful. Yes. So what makes us think that you needed to say anything being there with them so that they do not feel alone is the mm-hmm. greatest gift that we mm-hmm. can give people in the midst mm-hmm. of those moments. And I so agree that children yes. usually very oftentimes need to just know we're going to be here. We're just yes. real close here. Um, yes. And, and giving them a space where if they want to talk, that's good. And if they don't, that that's okay. Mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And um, reassuring them of our presence mm-hmm. is, is huge. So I think those are some very, very good uh, points. And Michelle, I want to say to you, thank you so much. Um, I hate that we have to be here because you have lost a son. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And me too. I, yeah. And I want to honor the fact that David's life mattered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It meant something. And because of his experience, all of this has grown from it. Yes. Now you would take him back in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Yes. No competition. But if that's not what we can have mm-hmm. to give his life, all of this honor to do this in honor of him, to help families, to do this in, in, in honor of your daughter and her experience yes. Yes. to mm-hmm. say a pivotal thing at such a young age that mm-hmm. half of her is gone. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you for stepping into that. I know that that has taken some time and mm-hmm. you have done the good work, the good grief and spending the time to walk yourself through the process so that you can then walk your family through the process yes. so that you can then honor David's experience and what you can give other families. Mm-hmm. And so I Um, I just want to say to you, thank you so much for the vulnerability that it takes to share that story and your experience, because the number of lives that are affected because of your story, because of David's story, because of your daughter's experience as well is huge. And that matters in a day yes. time right now where we are experiencing so much loss and so much grief, mm-hmm. I think the work that you're doing matters a ton. And I just really am thankful for that. And I want to be sure that everybody knows that 
um, your website and your um, Instagram, particularly you're on fa- uh, Instagram, mostly mm-hmm. you said also on Facebook, I'm mm-hmm. going to have those links so that everybody can find you with your website there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they will be able to figure out how to contact you and be a part of your seven week course. See your way forward after child loss. Yes. And I also have on my website, a, uh, a free guide right there on the front page of my website, a way to, to get get that called the good grief guide. And it's for any caring adult who wants to help children grieve well, four simple first steps, uh, not just geared to child loss, but geared to any loss. So I would just encourage people it has some things in there about, you know, the way to actually talk to children about things. So um, that's available as well. Yes. Thank Very you, good. I, and I, I appreciate you reminding me about that because mm-hmm. I think that will help people recognize um, some things that they can do. We yes. want to see what we can do. Exactly. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Michelle. I appreciate your time. And thank you for sharing your story and your expertise with us today. Thank you, Jill. I really enjoyed talking with you. It's been wonderful to meet you and learn about the work you do as well. So thank you. Well, thank you. Have a good day. You too. I mean, is she not amazing or what? I was so thrilled to talk to her. I actually, as you can tell, talked to her for two days, um, one day before we recorded and then this recording. I also want you to know that I am beginning a Patreon account. You will be able to find out more information about that next week. I cannot wait to show you about what I have done with that, but I am going to begin to have a thing called after the show and our our conversation Michelle and I's is going to continue over there at Patreon so you will get a little bit more of her there and I will give you more information about that next week so you can go and see something that I have created that is just for you as parents who need hope encouragement support and I can do it in a way that I know you're going to get it and is very specific and has a really cool extra little gifts involved and I I'm just so excited thank you for being a part of the uplift effect I truly hope this episode has made a difference to you because I know we're going to face this in our life that's just the reality of living is that there is going to be grief and there's going to be loss and we can be prepared to help our children navigate and walk through that experience. Have a great day. I will see you next Monday.